Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Now tuned in to the Roto Experts. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Thursday, July 12th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is Roto Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speeds, the spitting statistician. And as always, I am overjoyed and honored to have at my side FSWA Hall of Famer, El Rey de Fantasia, the king, Scott Angle. How you doing, Scotty, on a Thursday? Mira, you are too kind, you know, the way you introduce me every morning. You know, I've, 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 I've had co-hosts. I have co-hosts in the past that just like never introduced me like that. And, and and does it feel good? Does it feel good? Do you like the compliments? Do you like the praise? Do you like yes. being honored and respected as the FSWA Hall of Famer that you are and the leader of RotoExperts.com and the producer of the RotoExperts exclusive edge fantasy football draft package that gives people everything they need to start putting rings on their finger, belts around their waist, and trophies on their mantle and as well starting to get a little bit of extra cash. You can start thinking about the cruise you're going to take in February once you get the exclusive edge package because you will have everything you need to win your leagues and win your cash. A lot of it coming from our guys, the King Scott Angle, the all-in kid, Jake Seeley. Yeah, to the King at checkout for a special discount. And yeah, it's a good way to start today, and I feel like it's genuine. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking maybe I'll use this uh, money this year that I win to make that, that long-awaited trip to Seattle. Ooh, nice. Maybe go uh, be part of the 12s, huh, Scotty? Because I know yes. that is something that you like. I know you got that Seattle Seahawks hat that lights up. Yeah, I think uh, I think within, within the next two seasons, I'm finally going to see a Seahawks home game. That would be awesome. We should, I've we should seen try him play 13 a- times on the road. On the road? Yeah. Interesting. I, I think maybe uh, we should try to work it so that you could be the guy who, like, raises the flag at the beginning of the game or something like that. That would be an awesome experience. You know how they, you know how they um, like, on FanDuel and DraftKings, they have tournaments where I remember our guy who used to be with us, Benny Riccardi, um, he won a uh, DFS game where he, him and his son got to go for free to the, All- uh, the All-Star game and the Home Run Derby down there yeah. in Florida a couple of years ago. And him and his son, you know, his son was like a huge Yankees fan. He got to see Aaron Judge down there in Miami win the uh, Home Run Derby. Got to be an experience, you know, for a kid. Maybe they have one of those, Scotty, experience of raising the, raising the 12 flag up there in, uh, in Seattle. Well, I do know I do know that I will get a press credential and uh, trip out to practices That's if I am able to make it out there because I will be writing once again for the eighth consecutive season the uh, the fantasy content on Seahawks.com this year. 
Oh, that's absolutely awesome. Scotty is definitely plugged in to the Seattle Seahawks. You know, we have been talking about the Seattle Seahawks as it relates to what Rashad Penny can bring, as it relates to who is that number two receiver. Hey, let me ask you, Scott, who do you think is going to be wind up being that number two receiver um, in Seattle? Do you think it goes to Brandon Marshall, who they signed? Or do you think this is the year that Tyler Lockett takes that step forward? I think it's one of those things where we talk about fantasy, fantasy baseball closure situations where it's going to be an audition. I'm really not expecting a lot from Brandon Marshall. Tyler Lockett's going to have his role, but I don't think it's going to be consistent enough. I'm keeping my eye on Amari Darbo as a possible mm. sleeper in his second season, and I'm, I'm just very, very curious about Tanner McElvoy because uh, he goes 6'5", 230, and right. he's got some speed, and they, they lost Jerry Graham. Yeah, it's interesting. Not only did they lose Jimmy Graham, Scotty, but another guy, and I, I, I was mentioning this to Jake Seeley the other day. I think this is an under kind of underreported move. Uh, Paul Richardson over to the Washington football team as well, I think is interesting. Now, was Paul Richardson like an elite wide receiver? No, but you know what Paul Richardson did do? There were times when Russell Wilson like threw it up downfield and Paul Richardson came down with it. He was good at these deep balls and I think it's going to be very interesting now in Washington with Richardson, how they have Josh Dotson on one side who we see also as that big body guy that can go up and get it and then you have Richardson on the other side. Like safeties are going to have to respect that in Washington, and I think that opens up a lot of room for guys like Jamison Crowder, and if Jordan Reed could ever stay healthy, and Chris Thompson out of the backfield. It could be interesting, the passing game with Alex Smith there in Washington, huh? Yeah, he'll spread the ball around a lot, and I think he'll be a good fit there. Jay Gruden's really on the hot seat there. Uh, you know, that, that team has really done anything since 2015, and uh, Alex, Alex Smith is you know, does have some weaponry there, but outside of Crowder, really none of it is anything that you can depend on. That's the other side of it. There's a lot of yeah. talent there, but Doxon's got a lot to prove. And Richardson is that people know who uh, have owned him in the past. Like, he's never been consistent. He's been on and off fantasy rosters. And Alex Smith just doesn't throw as good a deep ball as Russell Wilson does. This is true. Uh, so we shall see. But you remember there was a be- at the beginning of last year, Alex Smith was throwing the ball downfield a little bit more. And in those first four or five games, people were talking about him as an MVP candidate. So he was doing it effectively at the start of last I'm year. I'm not saying he can't throw the deep ball. Uh, what okay. I'm saying is, is that Russell Wilson throws a better deep ball. It's more accurate. Uh, it's more consistent. I'm not saying Alex Smith can't do it. You know, I think he proved that last year, but uh, I I don't think the chemistry is, is there yet, and I just don't think that you'll see Paul Richardson getting quite as many uh, quite as many spectacular deep shots as he did with Wilson, who he, he played for with his whole career until last year. Fair enough. And, and, and what I'm also talking about, though, Scotty, is just the presence of these guys that can be, you know, downfield and go up and get it. The safeties have to respect that. Right. And so what that does is I believe it does create space for guys like Crowder, for guys like Reed or Vernon Davis kind of working in the middle of that field. Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about the design of the offense. Well, we talk about the 49ers, you know, we haven't talked about Washington. You have a new quarterback. 
Yep. Playing with a second-year wide receiver, another new wide receiver in Richardson, mm-hmm. somebody he's never worked with in Crowder, somebody he's never worked with in Reed, who can't stay healthy. Uh, he's never worked with Chris Thompson. You have a new rookie running back, so yep. you know this team might might suffer some bumps as they they uh, as they they try to gel. I think the Washington Washington football team is going to finish last in that division. That's interesting. Um, I I think. Uh, they will finish either third or last in that division. I, but I could still see them winded up, you know, taking no. some bumps like you were saying, but maybe still wind up with six wins, something like that. But they won't no be, like, is... horrible. You know what I mean? And no, I don't think no any team, team in that division is... will be horrible. I think they'll be mediocre. Uh, right. I think I, – I believe, you know, no team is repeated in the, as NFC East champs since the Eagles last did in 2004. But it seems like they're poised to turn a trick this week. This year, this year, uh, I, I, would, think I, the Eagles I, I would probably say, I would probably say it'd be interesting between the Giants and Dallas, uh, because you know Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott back, mm-hmm. you know looks better, and they have a yeah. good defensive line, and the linebackers are okay, but I think the secondary is a question mark. Uh, the the Giants, they have to gel. A lot of things have to fall into place. I think it's going to be a battle for second and third there, but it would not shock me is that is that the you know that it's that that that's a battle and like mm-hmm. the Eagles finish like twelve and four, the yep. the Cowboys win nine games, the Giants win eight, and and uh, the the Washington, Washington football team win win six, like yeah. three of them don't make the playoffs. Right. I see it generally, like you say. I think the Eagles can win this division with a nice little gap. I could see the Eagles winning 11 games this year, something like that, right? And then I can see the other three teams all being, you know, six, seven, or eight win teams. I personally... I personally um, would have – because we're splitting hairs, right? If we all think they're kind of that mediocre, just off the playoff cusp kind of six, seven, eight kind of win team, I would put it two, three, four in that division. Uh, the Giants second, and then I think it's a battle of Washington and Dallas for third, fourth. But again, like a six and ten and a seven and nine kind of battle. Um, so, But it brings me to another point I wanted to make or a question I wanted to ask you, Scott. And it is about these New York football Giants, okay? You know, we're in these off They're still baseball time. Giants? Yeah, there is still baseball giants uh, as long as you go back to the polo grounds. Yeah, if you go to the polo grounds, you can check them out, Scotty. I'm telling you, the ghosts are still there. Um, People should should have stopped calling them that New York football giant (laughs) 50 years ago. Fair fair enough. But, uh, Scotty, one thing I do want to ask you about these giants. Um. You're right. There is some differences here from last year. And, and, and now, you know, everybody that's buzzed is everyone's in the greatest shape of their life. Everyone's primed for a breakout season. And I saw this, uh, this praise levied on former Oklahoma Sooners wide receiver Sterling Shepard. Okay, and now here's my general question for you, Scotty. I mean, I talk about this with Jake all the time. Like, how big is the pie, you know, of production? And is the pie big enough to feed all these mouths that want it? You know what I mean? So you have Odell Beckham coming back. Odell Beckham is someone who should wind up getting, you know, 150, 160, 170 targets this year, like 10 targets a game, right? People think Saquon Barkley is going to be a factor in the passing game. People like Evan Ingram, even though I'm a little bit lower on Evan Ingram than most for this exact reason. I think he's going to be competing for opportunities in a way that he didn't have to last year. And then there is Sterling Shepard, right? Who everyone thinks, or from everyone that I've heard at least, Scotty, feel free to differ, like has the skill set 
to be a quality number two wide receiver in this league, right? So talk to me about Sterling Shepard. Do you think there's enough opportunity out there for him to also be, say, uh, uh, a solid, I don't know, wide receiver three on your team? Where do you have a guy like Shepard? And then also talk to me about the Giants offense in general. Do you think there's enough opportunity to go around for all of these guys, Beckham, Barkley, Shepard, Ingram, if anybody has to sacrifice, who do you think it is in New York? It's interesting because we had a new article on rotoexperts.com this morning with some target projections for wide receivers. And they talk about Beckham, you know, may go down from like 140 to 120. Interesting. I would probably see it from 140 to 130. I think 120 is kind of drastic personally. But, you know, different writers have different opinions. Sure. Different analysts have different opinions. But, you know, this is a team that's going to evolve into something different here. Uh, in past seasons, we've seen Eli throw the ball a lot because he just didn't have a running game to lean on. And now he has this potential superstar running back who not only can you know dominate the carries in time of possession, but also can catch balls out of the backfield. Beckham's always going to get his. You know, maybe right. he'll drop a little bit. I think this year because this becomes a more balanced offense, and then you you have to be concerned about. What happens after that? Sure, Sterling Shepard's a good route runner. Uh, he can be a threat in the red zone sometimes, but I don't think he's going to be a dependable wide receiver three this year because there's just too much to go around. Uh, I'm more confident in Evan and in Ingram because I feel like he can be more of a red zone threat than the other guys because when Eli's in the red zone or the green zone, play action, am I going to Barkley? No, well, well look, Ingram's open. You know, I think I think Ingram could be a big red zone threat this year. I, I think Sterling Shepard schematically is going to be unreliable. Interesting. So you think it might be Shepard that sacrifices. My leaning was actually the other way, Scotty. My leaning was actually towards Evan Ingram as the guy who sacrifices. Ingram had 115 targets last year, and I thought that he would be hovering maybe more right around the 100 mark. I think what it becomes is is that Ingram gets his numbers a different way now. Right. Like You make a good point with the touchdowns touchdowns in the red zone. How many touchdowns did Evan Ingram have last year? I'll look that up. Make your point, and then I'll, I'll be looking it up as it's happening. Because I, th- I, I think that, you know, I didn't know the number off the top of my head, but, yeah, no problem. you know, I, th- I think that he's going to get his numbers a different way this year. That, you know, third downs, uh, you know, that's a guy that, you know, if Beckham's not open, that's a guy that, you know, can catch the ball on third downs. I think he becomes, he becomes or he's very dependable on third downs and, and then he's there in the red zone because you can't always run the ball in the red zone. He caught yeah. six touchdown passes six touchdowns last, year. last year. It wouldn't surprise me to see him catch eight or nine this year. So that's really interesting. I want to press you a little bit on that. Evan Ingram last year, 64 catches, 722 yards, and six touchdowns. And you know what I also did, Scotty? I went to all the tight ends, and I sorted them by targets. Okay? And Evan Ingram's 115 the exclusive targets last package? year. I did not do it in the exclusive edge package, but I know you can do that there as well. Evan Ingram's 115 targets was second in the NFL among tight ends last year, second only to Travis Kelsey, okay? More than Delaney Walker, more than Zach Ertz, more than Rob Gronkowski in his 14 games. And here's my thing, though, Scott. Some of those targets came in games where there was no Odell Beckham, no Sterling Shepard, no Brandon Marshall, although that doesn't really matter, yeah. no running game to speak of. Was like, there ever it, a Brandon Marshall? 
No, but you know what I mean. There was at least another body in on that field that was getting targets. Yeah, I mean, we can, we, they, we, can, we can ignore him. Fair enough, but I'm saying, like, some of these targets came in games where there was really a dearth of other options. That won't be the case. He has to get less targets this year. Yeah, I, 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 would, I would think so, you know, but there, you I know. think there's going to be – there's going to be a lot of scoring opportunities for him. Sure. Is, so you is think what I say it's going? He may get less going, targets and catches, but more than the six touchdowns. You could see him at eight touchdowns. Yeah, I could. And, you know, if you go into the exclusive edge package on RotoExperts.com, you know we have uh, we have sortable projections by yeah. position, and uh, Engram is actually our fourth. Uh, is actually our fourth uh, overall ranked tight end in, in projections. You know, they're projecting for 66 uh, receptions, 771 yards, and uh, six touchdowns. Okay, fair enough. Let me ask Which you is one kind more. Which kind of on line with last year. I'm, you know, I, you know this, this was a staff consensus of about sure. five people. You know, I, I would probably scale him back a little bit on the total yeah. receptions and add another two touchdowns. Fair enough. I'm a little bit lower on Ingram than it sounds like you guys are just because of this, you know, the other threats. Like, who knows what Saquon Barkley is going to turn out to be. And when I'm at that point in the draft, right, when I'm at that point in the draft and I'm faced with Everett Ingram versus a guy like, oh, I don't know, say a Greg Olson or a Jimmy Graham or a Delaney Walker or some of the guys that you also may have a choice of, I may lean to a guy that I know is going to have a more more stable piece of the pie, let's say, than and Evan Ingram, but that is just me. One other question, Scotty, about uh, Sterling Shepard, because I've made the comparison, I don't know if you think it's apt, that like, you know, Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. have the ability to be the most feared kind of running back wide receiver tandem in the league, a la, say, like a Le'Veon Bell and an Antonio Brown. Now, I'm not saying that Saquon will be Le'Veon Bell. I'm not saying that Odell Beckham is Antonio Brown, but I'm saying they are this kind of feared one-two punch with, uh, you know, in the passing game and in the running game. If you take that um, analogy a little bit further, can you compare Sterling Shepard for me to the guy who plays that role over there in Pittsburgh, Juju Smith-Schuster? Why is Juju seen as a wide receiver too, even though he's competing with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown for opportunity? Meanwhile, Shepard is not even seen as a wide receiver three when he's competing with Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley. It's a different offense. Talk uh, to that me about team's yeah. going to continue to th- continue to throw of the ball a lot, and it's probably the most fantasy-friendly offense in all of uh, in all of football. And Juju Smith-Schuster as the, probably the third target and very much as a deep threat downfield and very diverse and looking to take a step forward. Uh, he's going to have a more prominent role in a better passing game than a guy like Sterling Shepard where they're looking to have more offensive balance. Okay, fair enough. You know, I just think about it in terms of like, you know, the triplets that people used to talk about, like the quarterback, running back, wide receiver kind of combo on some of these teams. You think about the Cowboys in the in the 90s and stuff like that. And then there was always that other wide receiver. And I'm trying to see if you can compare those. But it sounds like you think Juju will uh, have a, a better production I love him. potential. I love him. He, could be, he could be a top 15 fantasy wide receiver. Interesting. 
Scotty Angle high on Juju Smith-Schuster as though it is 420 he's out there so high on Juju Smith-Schuster. But remember, you can get all the Kings rankings, okay, on the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Draft Package. If you want to join the show and join the fun, the number to call is 844-843-6879. Another way you can join the show is with a poll question that we're putting up. Now, Scott, here's what I want to ask you. You know, we talked about LaShawn McCoy yesterday, and listen, we're getting details on that story. I don't want to play TMZ. I don't want to play judge and jury or cops. As details come out with that, we will give you the clarity on what that situation is, what it means for the Buffalo Bills, and what it means for fantasy football owners. Scott, you like how I said owners and not managers there. But um, here's my question, though. You know, there are some people, let's say, who knows how this breaks out with Shady or how it was with Zeke last year or in baseball with Jose Reyes and Araldis Chapman and other guys who have been known as like bad dudes. Um, Scotty, I have friends of mine who are very savvy fantasy owners, right? Who literally though sometimes say, I'm not going to draft anybody like that on my team. I don't want anybody like that on my team, like on my fantasy team. And I'm like, you know what? You can't think like that. You have to just play them like you were saying yesterday. They're just a name on a computer screen. They're not the person, you know, that I'm cheering for like just literally I'm cheering for their stat tracker more than that person and who they are. Right. What do you think about that, Scott, in general? What do you think about people who are like, no, 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 I'm not going to have anybody accused of domestic violence or anybody that's, you know, shady with the law or anything like that on my team for their fantasy purposes? How do you feel about people who uh, take that approach to uh, having good character guys on something like their fantasy team? Well, intangibles are not part of fantasy football directly. Right. Although they are indirectly if, if they're going to affect the player's playing time on the field. But if hmm. the guy is available, I think you have to use him. There are people that say, look, I'm sick of, you know, or it sickens me to have somebody like that on my roster. Right. Uh, and I understand where they're coming from. But at the end of the day, this game is about numbers. Mm-hmm. And to me, the guy is just, he's a name on a screen. That yes. doesn't mean I'm inviting him into my home for dinner or anything like that. I want to win my fantasy football league. It doesn't matter whether I like the guy or not. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I'll give you a fantasy baseball example. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, Matt Harvey's not a likable guy, but if he's going to okay. help my fantasy team, he's going to be on it. Okay, fair enough. Now, let me ask you this. And I, I asked this to a bunch of people as it related to Aroldis Chapman. You know, he served the suspension for domestic violence, and a lot of people were saying, no, I'm, uh, I had friends of mine being like, I'm not going to draft him. I want no part of him on my team. And I agree with you, Scott. When we talk about fantasy teams, like, listen, they're a name on a screen. I'm just trying to get their production for my fantasy team. What about if it's your, what about if it's your real team, Scott? What about if it's your, a, a guy on your Seattle Seahawks uh, that they would draft, you know? What about if it's a guy on your New York Mets that they draft? But if it's not your fantasy team, but if it's your, like, kind of real-life fandom and real-life team. I remember asking uh, friends of mine when the Chicago Cubs were going to go to the World – were in the World Series, like, how would they feel if it was a Roldis Chapman who got the final out and was, like, standing on the mound in exaltation in all the pictures, knowing who he was, you know, with his domestic violence kind of claims against him? Does it matter, Scott, the, your real team, your Seahawks? Does that matter – more than your fantasy teams? I'm not 100% sure of what you're asking me. So you're saying, like, for your fantasy team, you don't care if they're a bad guy because it's right. the name. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, yeah. what about the Seahawks? Does it change? 
Like, if not just your fantasy team, what about the real team you cheer for? You're a Seahawks fan. Do you feel the same right. way if the Seahawks bring in Greg Hardy, let's say, if they sign Greg Hardy? Well, you know, sometimes you can't control what the team's going to do. Uh, and maybe they'll bring in a guy that has questionable character or something like right. that or off-field issues or whatever. And, you know, you hope that all you do is you can't control it. You, you hope that the player turns their life around and, and uh, you know, that they can have an impact, you know, on, on the ball club. Yeah, and so you're still cheering for you're still cheering for Greg Hardy if he gets that key sack on a third Look, Frank, and long Frank, when in the Frank fourth quarter. Clark right, was drafted by the Seahawks. There you go. There were a lot of question marks about his character, but right. you know he's he's kept himself uh, clean in the NFL and he's been a huge impact player. So you hope it works out in, in the regard that it's worked out with Frank Clark. Yeah, absolutely, and that is our poll question today. Does it matter to you about the character of these players, either for your fantasy team or for your real team? There are some people who say they refuse to cheer or refuse to draft some of these players who have some of these character concerns. Does it matter for your fantasy team? Does it matter for your real team? And I bring it up, Scotty, also because of the LaShawn McCoy incident, but listen, there were things like Pac-Man Jones getting in a fight in the Atlanta airport yesterday, albeit if you see the video, it was really the airport employee that was kind of instigating the fight and also Scott because yesterday was the supplemental draft in the NFL and the supplemental draft is usually where players who have a ton of talent but either had some kind of academic concerns or off the field character concerns wind up going Scotty do you think are are there ever uh, good nuggets out of the supplemental draft that took place yesterday is that am I right these are a lot of like character concerns or academic concern guys like why do people wind up in the supplemental draft, Scotty. I can't remember the last player that made an impact in the supplemental draft. I remember the Jets had drafted Rob Moore in the supplemental draft a long time ago, and he wound up being a good wide receiver for them for a few years. Exactly. Like the Seahawks drafted Brian Bosworth in the supplemental draft. Bosworth was uh, a supplemental draft pick? Yeah, he was. Like one of the very first supplemental drafts. I, I, I really can't. Was Josh Gordon a supplemental pick, or did they draft him? Maybe. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. It's these kind of guys. And then you think about, do you really want them on your team? Teams are taking a flyer on them because maybe the potential yeah. outweighs the risk. And we talked yesterday about, like, how risk-averse you are about still, like, say, drafting LaShawn McCoy or others. So yeah. I do think it's interesting how they put the character concerns and the skill of the player on the scale of making their decision, really. Heart, minds, and stone and soul or talent. Yeah. It's interesting. We're off and running here. Set Gordon's second round of... 2012 supplemental. It's interesting. We'll dig into that a little bit more when we come back. Roto experts in the morning. Are you new to daily fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to dailyroto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to dailyroto.com to rock daily fantasy sports. Welcome back. 
Roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And I got to tell you something, Scott. If it wasn't for the Bronx, this rap ish probably never would be going on. So tell me where you from. Uptown, baby. You know what it is. We put the fun and functional sports radio. The King Scott Angle, the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez. Scotty, we got your boy Kenny in Philly on the line as well. Let's bring him in, see what he has to say about whether it was Sterling Shepard or anything otherwise. Or if you care about the character of the guys on the team or if you're just cheering for the laundry that they wear. Kenny and Philly, what's up? You're on Roto Experts in the morning. How you doing, boy? How you doing there, cowboy? What's up, Mr. Martinez? Good morning to you, sir. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good, Kenny. How you doing, man? Um, I just want to step on, step on a couple things real quick. Well, sure. Scotty, uh, I... You side wide the polecat. <laughs> Scotty, I called... Uh, I'm in overtime. Uh, I'm at Daytona there. I called uh, Eric Jones winning only because of the, uh, of the cars that was behind him. He had Boucher and, and A.J. Allmendinger, and Truex had Casey Kane and Matt DiBenedetto. So, I mean, with the equipment that those guys had, I, I called it. They was eventually going to get a push and get Eric Jones up there. So, it was an awesome yeah, race. That was, that was a crazy race, and that's why in restrictor plate races, when you're playing fantasy NASCAR, it's so unpredictable. A 22-car wreck and two two overtimes. And that dog on Sticky Ricky Stenhouse, he's, he gets on my nerves. He wrecked, he wrecked, he had those two big wrecks in the beginning. But anyway, let me move on to the football here. Um, Scotty's analysis, I agree 200% with Scotty's analysis, but uh, just because I think that Sterling uh, Shepard might be the odd guy out <laughs> because of just the area of the field that he's going to cover. I mean, you're going to have Saquon Barkley. We're not sure where exactly he's going to be, but you can assume that it may be eight. Uh, they may bring eight people in the box, and, you know, uh, they might try to double uh, Beckham. So I'm thinking that uh, – nah, uh, I don't I don't think they can do that. I don't I don't think they can put eight in the box because Barkley can catch passes, and you right. can't double Beckham because they also have Shepard and Ingram. There's That's too the thing. Much, it's a pick-your-poison kind of there's thing. Too much, there's yeah. too much – there's too many targets out there for them, for them to have a, take a simplistic safety in the box approach. When you play eight in the box, you're bringing your safety down against the run. You can't do that against a team that has Odell Beckham. That's true. That's that's that's, that's yeah. very true. I would just I would just took my point about uh, Evan Ingram. I consider they uh, he's going to operate across the middle of the field, and they have a pretty good connection already as of as of last year, despite not having uh, Beckham there. Um, what do you guys think about? I know it's kind of off topic. What do you guys think about my uh, think about my Saints? Oh, only other question about about picking people with uh, uh, character guys. Yeah. As a as a Saints fan, I can't stand uh, um, um, Julio Jones, but he was on my team a couple of years ago. So I mean, See? you got to put all that stuff aside. I mean, so you just, can't stand him, but you like the production he gives you, right, Kenny? You like it when he when you look up on your stat tracker and he's got 11 catches for 147 yards and two touchdowns. Then his exactly. character is okay with you, right, bro? <laughs> exactly. Even if it's unfortunately, unfortunately, even if it's against my Saints, but one of my Saints, go. I'm liking, I'm loving the, uh, um, I can't remember this time. I think he'll be yeah. good for over the middle of the field because we technically don't have a tight end, and you know Drew Brees. Loves over the middle and the tight end, but hopefully he can stay healthy. He can be a little bit productive. Hopefully everybody can uh, contribute this year. We got two years to win the championship here, so uh, Ooh, yeah. and then uh, between Drew Brees is uh, um, how good he's going to be. So I think we got two years. Hopefully we can get it done. But uh, thanks, God, good show. I'll let you guys get back to your programming. Absolutely, thanks, yeah, that's, Kenny. That's, that's turning. That's turning out to be a different team. It's.
They're, they're better they have evolved a little bit. So the, the Saints right. do have do have a window. I think we forget about them when we talk about the top teams in the NFC, and we really shouldn't. Hmm. Oh, no, absolutely. I agree with you, Scott. I think they are one of the top teams, one of the contenders in the NFC. I agree with what Kenny said. I think Cam Meredith has the opportunity to be a very interesting number two receiver for the Saints. Remember, he's coming off that ACL injury. I think he's going to take that Willie Sneed role that was there the last couple of years and more, to be quite honest. I think he's a very interesting diamond in the rough for fantasy. I will say this, though, Scotty. I do think, like you've mentioned before, the Saints are evolving a little bit differently in the way they are going to try to win games. We saw that with the running game last year, uh, helping out their defense in terms of time of possession, in terms of field position. And listen, we know Drew Brees can still do it. I just don't think he's going to be asked to do it as much for these New Orleans Saints, so much so that I think you may be able to go on over to mybookie.ag with the prop builder tool and set a prop on Drew Brees passing yards that will enable you to take the under because he's not not the 5,000-yard passer that he has been in years past, Scotty. No, he's certainly not. Uh, you know, they'll. this is what I talk about when I talked about with the Seahawks, with, you know, the, them the wanting evolution. to run the Baltimore yep. and, and, you know, letting a really good quarterback just pick his spots rather exactly. than carry the team on his back. Now, look, when, mm-hmm. when the, the, the Saints won the Super Bowl, Breeze did carry the team on his back, but I would say most teams don't want that's not the, the model the right. quarterback to to carry the team on his back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think that the average football fan looks at it: how good is a quarterback? Can they carry the team on their back? And you know that's not necessarily what every NFL team wants. Now, look, mm-hmm. Brady has done it, but you know Rodgers. Well, sure. you know ever ever since he won the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, he hasn't been able to get back past the NFC Championship game. That then that team has been heavily predicated on the passing game. So, you know, th- there are exceptions like Brady and Peyton Manning, et cetera, you know, in his prime with mm-hmm. the Colts. But for the most part, if you can have more offensive balance, I think most NFL teams want to do that. Right. Because you can do it. That doesn't mean it is to be done as the model for everybody. As we keep it moving here on Roto Experts in the morning, we bring in our guy, Mike Leone, representing DailyRoto.com, where they make millionaires. How you doing there, Mike? How you doing there on a Thursday morning, bright and early? I'm doing well, guys. I like uh, Dean's rap coming in from the break. I, you know, I miss hearing Scotty's rap. <laughs> yeah, well, that was uh, Lord Tariq and Peter Guns yeah. bringing us back there, Mike Leone. Let me ask you this. We got a poll yeah, question up. Spitting Speeds always has something coming down the pike, but nothing's ever good until we get in here with our boy Mike. There you go. That's where it is. <laughs> they don't call him the king for nothing, Leone. You know what I mean? Let me ask you this. The first quick question. We got this poll question up. We're talking about guys like Shady McCoy and in the past guys like Reyes and Chapman in baseball. How do you feel? How do you handle kind of uh, the character of the players on your team? Are you uh, cold and unemotional when it comes to your fantasy team? And is that different than the real teams you root for? Um, how do you treat... How do you treat the personal character of some of these guys? Are you someone who's like, I'm not going to have Jose Reyes on any of my teams. I'm never going to draft the Roldis Chapman or a guy like Greg Hart, you know, like, or do, do you not care? And you're cheering about like numbers on the screen. Uh, I, I guess I'm somewhere in the middle where okay. I generally, you know, I try to avoid those players if I can, but at a certain point, like, uh, you know, just to be honest, I'm not going to, 
you know, eschew the value that they they offer. If you get them at a really good price tag, it's sort of like a tiebreaker for me, I guess I would say. Mm. All right. Fair enough, fair enough. And uh, so we are here with Mike Leone from Daily Roto. He's a spot every Thursday. We get it going. And, you know, a lot of times in this time we talk about baseball. But I want to ask you some things about football, Mike, to start off. You mentioned to me that Draft is doing a million-dollar best ball contest or league this year. And for those of us who are new maybe to best ball formats, I think it's a really interesting format for a number of reasons. One, you know, the worst thing for me – Mike, is when I have someone who goes off and they're on my bench. It happens all the time, especially a guy like a Deshaun Jackson, right, trying to figure out the week that he's going to have, like, the five catches, uh, 143 yards and two touchdowns is always a fool's errand, you know? And when best ball formats, I think – you know, that's taken away. Um, and and it's really all about that draft. So tell the listeners a little bit more about best ball formats, about this opportunity at draft, and then any kind of big picture things that you're thinking about in terms of strategy for best ball leagues as opposed to kind of your standard formats. Yeah, well, you make a really good point there about, you know, the annoyance of a guy going off on your bench. And sometimes yeah. in regular fantasy it almost feels like you're being punished for drafting a really deep team and then you have to make these tough decisions. Whereas in best ball, what happens is you're drafting these big benches, but your optimal lineup is being used each week. You don't actually set your lineup. It's just whatever the best lineup would have been that week gets used. So it's a really good format too for people like me who play a lot of DFS in season and maybe that keeps us away from playing a lot of season-long leagues because we don't want to deal with the in-season management. And, you know, for a lot of people, the draft is the most fun part. And with best ball, you know, last year I was rattling off. I mean, you can play 20-plus leagues and just rattle them off. They have an app on your phone. It's really easy. It's very – they have a very nice setup in terms of your pre-draft rankings and whatnot. You can do slow drafts, too, on draft, which is really cool. So drafts with, like, an eight-hour clock. So you can pound out just a ton of drafts where you've got time to think about your pick. You've, you know, you don't have to worry about the in-season management. So I just love the format. They also on draft, they don't have a kicker. They don't have a defense. But as it pertains, pertains to this best ball championship, it's a million-dollar prize pool, $100,000 up top. These are all going to be fast drafts So with a 30-second clock. So you got to be ready for that. But it's comprised of a bunch of 12-team leagues, and you're just competing against uh, your league mates in weeks one through 12. And then if you win your league, you advance to the playoffs against all the other winners. So it's a really cool format. As far as how strategy differs, I, I think, you know, I always like a late round QB strategy, but I think in best ball format, formats especially because you get to draft, you know, three, two or three quarterbacks and you're taking the best score available you know, each week, obviously. So I think you're going to see a lot less discrepancy in the high-end scores when you're able to pick that best score out of three and it devalues a little bit having that premier quarterback up top. Now, you talk about the draft uh, million-dollar championship, but then there's also the NFFC and, you know, other best ball leagues where, you know, you do have to draft the kickers, you do have to draft the defenses, and, you know, the drafts are so deep. How, how do you attack roster construction in a best ball league? Like, how many defenses, how many kickers, how many tight ends do you draft? I know there's not one uh, one necessarily broad stroke that we can all paint with these positions because every draft is different. But, you know, 
Talk about roster construction best ball-wise because it's so deep. Yeah, so generally what I'm trying to do is take three quarterbacks. Um, I'll try to skate by with two tight ends most of the time and then really just go crazy on the running back and wide receiver position. Those are the positions where uh, you don't want to take zeros. You want the ability to run into high-end scores. So I think that's going to comprise – you know, the bulk of your bench. I've seen people, they try and do strategies where they're taking four or five quarterbacks. And I think with each quarterback you take after three, the marginal gain is just so small. And defenses is interesting for, you know, places like NFFC that do include those where you might be tempted to only take one or two defenses. But that's a position where I could see going you know, three defenses. And the idea is, like, it's just a defense. I don't want to spend a lot of time on them. But what happens with defenses is the scoring is highly variant, and you can see a really wide discrepancy in scores week to week. We see this in DFS all the time because of how many points, you know, a touchdown is worth for on the defensive side of things and the percentage that that takes up relative to the overall defensive scoring. So I think you want three defenses if you can cut it. Um, kickers, I think, is a spot, though, where you can get by. You want to because you want to back up at every single position. Um, but they are good leagues to definitely, you know, play a bunch of them because you can get some diversity in your player pool. And also guys are going to get hurt. And that's the thing. You don't, you know, it's nice that you don't have to worry about the in-season management. But if you do get a couple of bad injuries, you could end up taking some zeros in some spots. So it's definitely a good format to play in multiple leagues. Fair enough. Hey, we're talking with... Mike Leone over at DailyRoto.com. Remember, they're doing that collaboration with DKMS. You could potentially get two tickets to the World Series games. We're doing the DKMS Trivia Challenge on our air as well. Mike, is this something where um, you would be more apt to get both sh- uh, pieces of a timeshare? Like, would you, in a best ball format, go ahead and try to get Nick Chubb and Carlos Hyde? Would you try to get Kerryon Johnson and... Garrett Blunt, would you try to get Royce Freeman and Devontae Booker and play it that way? Would you be more or less likely to double up on a team's timeshare like that? Like a Tevin Coleman and a Devontae Freeman? I feel like I'm in the minority, but I generally am less likely in all leagues and in basketball formats, I think, especially to Mm. load up on a timeshare. Uh, I don't like hedging. A lot of the time what happens is when people are taking timeshares, that second back of the timeshare – they end up drafting earlier than usual in order to get the timeshare. The way I look at it is I'm only drafting that timeshare if I can get it for a really cheap price. And the idea is in best ball, there's no in-season management, right? You've got a finite number of players that you're going to have access to the whole season. And as a result of that, if you're taking two guys for one spot, you're really limiting your upside. Now you get, you know, the, the Tavon Coleman, Devonta Freeman, those are guys that can be both valuable a lot in one week. So I get it a little bit, but for the most part, I want to be, I want to give myself a chance to hit on every single draft pick. And I think if you're taking timeshares, especially if you're going out of your way to do it, uh, you're basically capping your upside because you're hoping, yeah, maybe your likelihood of hitting, you know, if you take the green Bay backfield, you take Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, and maybe your likelihood of getting that green Bay back is higher. But even if you hit, you've, then you, that means by you know default that you've wasted 
a roster spot on one of the I'm hoping for an ACL injury then. I'm just hoping for an ACL on one of them. (laughs) Oh, boy. Go ahead, Scotty. (laughs) Oh, boy. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, though, best ball, as I was talking about how deep it is, and, you know, you really, really have to study if you want to have to – if you want to have to uh, have any chance here, you got you have to go very very deep on the depth charts because these 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 drafts are deeper than any other. You know when you're getting into those later rounds, you know how are you identifying players? Like sometimes you're looking at maybe like a Mac Hollins, a Mary Darbo type, and sometimes you get even deeper than that. Yeah, I mean, really what you're looking for is paths towards playing time. So last year when I was in my best ball draft. You know, a few of the guys that I was taking deeper a ton, and then, like, only one of them worked out. Um, but I was taking Darren McFadden with the idea of a Zeke suspension coming out. I was taking a lot of him. I was taking a lot of Chris Rogers. Uh, so these are two backs that didn't end up working out, but you could see paths to playing time, or they were expected to start the year with playing time and then also be partial players rest of the year. And you could see that path towards them being viable. The third eye guy I was taking there was Alvin Kamara, which actually did – work out quite a bit and with him it wasn't so much pass the playing time as it was a pass catching back on an elite offense so you just want to see a route towards reasonable upside I know that's kind of vague but sometimes I think when you get deep into drafts people stick to taking these pure rankings lists and I think at a certain point in the draft you're just chucking the rankings out the window and you're just looking at the type of player you're trying to you know, get a sense of the range of outcomes of that player. So a guy I like a lot this year for deepers like Naheem Himes for mm. the Indianapolis Colts, a guy who's a bit of a burner, who's a really good pass catcher out of the backfield on an offense that if Andrew Luck is healthy, is a big if, but if he is, is going to do very well. And you look at that running back position, and there's just not a whole lot of competition. There's not a whole lot of draft capital uh, or capital in general invested in it. So you start to see the path to playing time and the fallback is that he's just a good pass catching back out of the backfield on a good offense, which you know can be a valuable piece. So you got the combination of four and upside for a later round pick there. There you go. We're talking with Mike Leone over from DailyRoto.com. He's giving us some strategies for best ball formats. If you love the draft and then you love to, quote-unquote, set it and forget it, best ball formats could be the one for you. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us, Mike. Next week, let's talk a little bit about your Scotty Fishbowl team next week and how you're letting the draft come to you. Sound good? That sounds good. You know, I did. I drafted LaShawn McCoy 40 minutes before Ugh. the news broke, so... Go and get yourself some DeMarco Murray also, okay? All right, we'll do, Dane. <laughs> All right, have a good one there, Mike. That's Mike Leone representing DailyRoto.com. Remember, you can always go on over to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS and learn more about our collaboration to help the fight against blood cancer. Scotty, I had to let Mike go because we have another caller on the line. Mark in New Jersey is joining Roto Experts in the morning. He wants to talk about the Detroit Lions, Jim Bob Cooter, and that run game. Mark in New Jersey, you're on Roto Experts in the morning. What's going on? Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. How you guys doing? We doing all right. We doing all right. You uh, wondering about LeGarrette Blunt a little bit? Yeah. So the Lions have always been notorious for getting stalled in the red zone with the run yep. game and then not being able to punch it in. You think uh, you think adding Leg Blunt is going to help them be able to punch it in the end zone and kind of help them turn that corner and putting up some points this year? Hey, Scotty. Yeah, I don't let remember, me do this I one first. The last- 
Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, because uh, I know I was intrigued by Scotty, because I know you do, in fact, have LeGarrette Blunt, Scotty, a little bit higher than most in your rankings. I noticed that uh, you have him much higher than a lot of people, and, and I do agree with that, Mike. Yes, I do think so. I think he's not going to be your 100-yard rusher in games, and you know the Lions haven't had that in a while, but he will get the touchdowns. And remember, their new head coach, Matt Patricia, is from New England, right? And he knew what LeGarrette Blunt could do. I think he's going to be that Jerome Bettis type. He will still get touchdowns, but don't expect 100 yards out of him. But as teams, you know, go more and more to these kind of committee backfield, I want the guy who is scoring the touchdowns. And I think Scott reflects that in his rankings with Garrett Blunt and also with a guy like Marshawn Lynch. Scott, I saw that you have him higher than consensus as well. Scotty, what do you think about Garrett Blunt's role with the Detroit Lions? I think, you know, he can be that, you know, that goal line runner for them. It'd probably be a combination of him carry on Johnson and Theo Riddick, you're looking at a committee. So I don't know how much any are dependable they're going to be for fantasy purposes. But, you know, look, this team has really struggled in the red zone for a long, long time. And you got a quarterback, Matthew Stafford, who's passed for 4,000 yards every year of his career. So you know he can move the ball, but it's always stalled when he's gotten down there. So they have Galladay now as that big target, maybe in the red zone. Marvin Jones once in a while can make a spectacular catch, but when you got to run the ball, when you have to have offensive balance near the goal line, and Blunt gives him that type of threat. And you make a great point about Patricia because you know they've used Blunt as that battering ram. So I don't think he get a lot of yardage, but if he he rushes for seven, eight touchdowns, I won't be shocked. Yeah, absolutely, Scotty. I agree. And when you say you have this committee, you have the carry-on Johnson, you have the Theo Riddick. Listen, if you have a guy who you know his role is going to be in that end, uh, in that green zone, as you like to call it, Scotty, um, you know he will be he will get the ball inside the five. And I do think the Lions specifically targeted Legarrette Blunt to fill the very specific need that Mark in New Jersey was mentioning about that running game, and specifically the piece of the running game that's pounding it into the goal line. They've been trying to use guys ever since Joyke Bell. They've been trying to have Zach Zenner out there in that role, yeah. you know, and they've never really figured that out. I do think LeGarrette Blunt is a very specific weapon for a very specific purpose, and it may match up well for the Detroit Lions. I hope that helps Mark out there in New Jersey. Remember, if you ever want to call us to talk a little bit about your fantasy team, your team, or anything we're saying here on the show, the number to call is 844 Seven nine, Scotty. I also want to get here right now. We have Kelly Nixon at Kelly Nixon one, who had something very interesting on Twitter our girl to our Kelly question from about Tampa. Yes, yeah, from our girl from our questions about the character. Right, she says, check this out. She won a fantasy football championship with Michael Vick as her quarterback after the dogfighting thing. But she says she felt yeah. like she sold her soul to the fantasy devil. But hey, money is money. But then on the other side, she said it looks like she's an Indianapolis Colts fan, and she said. But if Andrew Luck got busted for something like this, domestic violence, dogfighting, she'd want him off the Colts. So it seems like uh, Kelly is uh, saying that she can kind of uh, maybe divorce herself of the character for her fantasy team a little bit like she did with Michael Vick. But she couldn't do it for her real team. She wouldn't want her real team, the Indianapolis Colts in this case, having a quote-unquote bad guy at the helm. So here you go, Scott. You see a little bit of difference for the outlook of your fantasy team and the real team you, cho- you cheer for in the NFL. I think it's interesting, Scott. 
Yeah, everybody's gonna have different opinions on it. You know, she says she feels dirty that right. You know, she soldier sold to the Mike, fantasy Ma- devil. Michael Vick. It wasn't her decision to put to put him in an Eagles uniform. And look, you have. But to it's her Michael decision Vick. to put her on her fantasy team, though. Yeah, but it's just about the numbers. You, you, it's it's not. You know, they, there's no moral dilemma. You don't have to sit in the front office and decide whether to sign the guy or not. You know, and how it's gonna affect the fans and everything. You just you just look at it. You, you take the emotion out of it. You have to take the emotion out of it in fantasy football. You don't draft with your heart. You don't avoid players because of your heart in any situation. And at the same time, you got to give Michael Vick a lot of credit. You know, the, mm. he uh, you know he did some terrible things, but you know he did his time, and you know he continues to try to make up for it. Uh, there was a time early on that I believe Vick wasn't genuine about it, but right. I, I don't I think at this point it doesn't even matter. You know, uh, that's the way that our system is supposed to work, that people are supposed to be, you know, they call it yeah. a correctional facility. And did his time. You know, Michael, Vick, Michael Vick was corrected. And, you know, it's terrible what he did, but, you know, I give the guy credit for, you know, turning it around. Yeah, absolutely, you know. And that'll make um, you feel and- better about having Michael Vick on your team. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we'll see. I don't know if he's on any fantasy football teams anymore. No, I'm saying when you look back, it makes you feel better about that. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Scotty, tomorrow we'll continue to look at some of your running back ranks. I did want to ask you about guys like LeGarrette Blunt, like Marshawn Lynch, the kind of goal line touchdown guys and what role they have. And we'll also take a look at uh, some other teams. I know you're in Scotty Fishbowl as well, so we'll see how you're letting the draft come to you. And we'll obviously keep you abreast of all the news and notes, and we'll take your calls from Remember, 844-843-6879. Scotty, have a great rest of the day. And uh, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow right here where we put the fun and functional sports radio. Roto Experts in the morning. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Tuned in to the Roto Experts. Welcome back to Roto Experts in the morning, right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We just had an hour with FSWA Hall of Famer, the King Scott Engel, and I am overjoyed to be able to transition from a Hall of Famer to the number one accuracy expert in the business. This way we know we're giving you the best information to win your leagues and win that cash. My man, the all-in kid, Jake Seeley. We talk about how risk-averse are you with a name like the all-in kid. It should let you know the way Jake feels about it. Jake, how you doing on a Thursday morning, brother man? I'm doing good. How's it going? We're doing all right. We're hanging in there. I want to ask you a couple of things that were interesting off of our first hour. Um, you know, and I start with this. You know, in the in the NFL draft in April, right? It was me, Corey Parsons, Mike Blewett, Emery Hunt. We were hosting the Fantasy Sports Network's coverage live of the NFL draft, and we had an opportunity to interview Giants wide receiver Sterling Shepard in that coverage. You know, we were talking everything about uh, the evolution of the Giants to what he thought about Saquon to what he thought about Baker Mayfield as a former Oklahoma Sooner getting drafted number one overall. And I see reports over the last couple of days 
What do you know, Jake? Sterling Shepard is in the best shape of his life. What do you know? Sterling Shepard is feeling very healthy. What do you know? People predict big things for Sterling Shepard this year. But I go back to the question I ask you all the time, Jake. It's the size of the pie and how much, you know, there's there's all of a sudden more mouths to feed for the New York football giants, right? So you know Odell is going to get his. We all think Saquon is going to get his. What do you project for a guy like Sterling Shepard? Is he a safe wide receiver three? Or, like, how do you think the rest of the opportunity plays out with guys like Shepard or Ingram? Uh, Who, if anyone, is going to have to sacrifice this year for the Giants? Or do you think just the pie grows and grows and grows and it's enough to feed all these mouths? No, I don't think Shepard's a safe wide receiver three at all, actually. Mm. I think, think he's a wide receiver four. And the fact mm. is, is, you know, he's actually scored quite a bit of touchdowns on his reception yards rate for somebody that works a lot out of the slot. But the biggest issue here is, too, is Odell Beckham works a lot out of the slot. That's where he's the most dangerous. And Shepard might be lined up outside a lot in, or at times inside the slot. It's like he's going to be moved around. Odell Beckham is going to be moved around. He's clearly the number two wide receiver in this team. But all that being said, this is kind of headed down the Steelers road. Is That's what I was just going to ask. Okay, good. If, Go. if, you're, if, you're, if everybody is on the page that Saquon Barkley is Saquon Barkley. Yes. Like, obviously... There's a scenario where Barkley busts, and there's a whole different conversation. I don't think anybody believes that, but there is a scenario out there of that. If Barkley is who he is, this is the Steelers. This is yep. you have Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, and at best-case scenario, just like Juju Smith-Schuster, any given week you are the third option in the passing game at best, and that's the issue here. So Sterling Shepard at best, and now on top of it, if you want to compare it to the Steelers, it's a worst-case scenario right. because you have a much better tight end situation. You have somebody who is technically a wide receiver playing the tight end spot. So I'm a big fan of Sterling Shepard. I want him as my wide receiver four because there's potential that he could be a wide receiver three, and Eli Manning goes back to his 4,430 touchdown season that he had two years in a row. Mm-hmm. And if he gets to that, Sterling Shepard will be a wide receiver three, and that's fine. But he has to get to that, and that's a, that's a lot to put on Eli Manning. Absolutely, and Jake. I mean, this is why you must. You're the you're the best accuracy expert in the industry. You're, you're like reading the spitting statistician's mind. Okay, that's exactly where I was going to go with this. You know, when you talk about how you know, let's 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 create the analogy and understand that it's not perfect, right? But Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, a la Odell Beckham, and potentially Saquon Barkley, right? So if that's the case, and you have this like you know veteran quarterback on both teams that kind of know how to massage the the scheme and the teams and find mismatches, that sort of thing. My question, and you sort of answered it with Evan Ingram as kind of the answer, but like, if that's the case, why is Sterling Shepard viewed so much more poorly than his Steelers analog Juju Smith-Schuster? People are saying Juju Smith-Schuster is a wide receiver too and a solid one. And you're you're, you're saying, you know, Sterling Shepard is really a wide receiver four, maybe with wide receiver three upside. Is the gap between Juju Smith-Schuster and Sterling Shepard pretty much represented by Evan Ingram? Yeah, that's where the biggest factor comes in is Evan Ingram. Honestly, I'm looking right now, projections I have for both of them, the gap between the two in non-PPR is 26 points in PPR, it's 30, 29. So it's not an enormous gap, gap, maybe. 
All right, so Juju Smith-Schuster, though, is a solid wide receiver, too, for me. Uh, Sterling Shepard is a solid wide receiver, four. Actually, he's further up the wide receiver, four, is than Smith-Schuster is actually further down. He, I actually am lower like than low a lot end, of people. Wide have, out two versus I have him at 21. The, here's the difference, though, too, is the risk associated with Smith-Schuster is I don't like – we've already talked about this. I don't like when people are taking him as the 13th, 14th, 15th wide, saying, wide receiver yeah. off the board because – while he'll finish, and I have no doubt he'll finish as a wide receiver too, but it's the Sean Jackson effect. Is at the end of the year, right. the week-to-week performance is going to be frustrating, and that's, that's the issue I have with Juju Smith-Schuster. It's not the fact that he's a wide receiver too, but you know, it's kind of the inverse of Frank Gore. Like Frank Gore, you're never excited right. week-to-week, but you, always, you know you're always getting six or seven points. Well, on the flip side, he's kind of more of the, like the theoretic. They go back to another, it's like, you know, one week it's going to be 13, next week it's going to be two. Right. Best ball-y, shall we say. A little best ball-y-ish. Um, speaking, and, of, and he, speaking of risk-averse, wait, wait till ooh. you get to the what I just did with my last two picks in the Scott Fishbowl that you asked for. Oh, boy. Yeah, I see you. I see you now. Yeah, we were talking about, listen, the guy you just picked, I think, is going to lead the Buffalo Bills in rushing, so it's all good. Uh, no, I don't think you're looking at Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 Huh. No, You're I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Trust me. So I like that. And uh, the other guy you think I think is uh, not going to miss time as well. So we'll get into that a little bit. But I like where you're going. Um, maybe Juju Smith-Schuster a little a little more uh, best ball-y, shall we say. And here's the other thing to remember on Juju. Okay, I'm with you, Jake. I think the hype has gone a little too far on Juju Smith-Schuster, right? Um, The other thing to remember is some of those breakout games that he had last year was when Antonio Brown was out. You know, Antonio Brown missed a couple of weeks towards the tail end of that season last year, and that's when Juju Smith popped off. You know, so you got to figure you really need to manage expectations. The number one wide receiver in the entire NFL missed a couple of games right when Juju Smith-Schuster was ascending uh, towards the tail end of last year. Jake, I heard a little bit of you on uh, Fantasy Frenzy yesterday when you guys were talking about Pac-Man Jones. I then saw the video of Pac-Man Jones, and I got to tell you something pac-man didn't do anything wrong this guy was like coming after him like literally following him in the airport pac-man didn't start it but he finished it i thought that was very interesting but i want well, to he finished it he okay. also he also instigated a little bit Let's be a real little bit like, but like listen yeah. this airport employee was really the instigator of this at one point well, pac-man we also Jones don't... was trying to walk away at one point uh, we don't see everything before that I mean, okay. let's, fair, let's, let's be fair. honest. Like, the fact is, is we don't know what he was saying before that. And the, to be honest, yes, he was walking away at that point. But at the same time, let's also remember, like, you know, there were things that were said on that video which you can't even say on the radio. True. I'm just saying. Like, he could have he done more than walk away to make it go away. The guy was definitely at fault, but it could have been a lot. It could have been avoided. Right, yes, I'll give you that. Pac-Man definitely tried to thread the needle of of good behavior and preserving his quote-unquote manhood at the same time. So I understand that. I want to grow this out to a larger question, though, Jake, because, you know, we see the Pac-Man thing. We talk about the uh, LaShawn McCoy thing. And we also had the supplemental draft yesterday, Jake. And honestly, the supplemental draft, I I view, correct me if I'm wrong, but I view as really this, this haven for players who may have academic concerns, right? Or off the field concerns, right? But the skill and the talent is still there for kind of potential, you know? And we've seen that. I think Josh Gordon was a supplemental pick um, and some others. Um, 
do you ever put stock in these supplemental picks, Jake? Like, do you think you can actually grab a good nugget out of there? Help explain the listener, what is the supplemental draft really for? How do teams approach it? Because they have to then lose picks the next year in the real draft. Can you give the listeners just a little bit of a, of a definition and an overview of, because a lot of people don't even really understand the supplemental draft. And I, I see it as like places where people with character concerns go for the, like their last chance to make it to an NFL roster. Yeah, well, you pretty much already explained. Is that it? it? <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. This is, it's just players that are ineligible to play, and then they, so they find a way. If as long as they get approval from the NFL to enter the supplemental draft, these are players that wouldn't they? They some you know you could have an issue after a junior year, but you could mm. be you know you could still be NFL eligible because you're eligible for the draft. So these are people that don't necessarily have the three years in the college or don't have a situation where they're going back to a team in college because they can't play because like you said, uh, the one that the Giants drafted was academic. Right? I don't know what Alexander's issue was. I don't know if his was also academic or off the field or whatever it might be. But yeah, it's the fact that these kids you know, have issues in college and are looking to play in the NFL. The NFL decides whether or not they're eligible. And then we have these drafts and nine out of 10 times, nobody gets drafted. There's just usually not that kind of talent there. It's just because the sad thing is, if you think about it, when there's not that kind of talent there, well, usually colleges find a way to get the talent on the team anyway. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's the thing is, you know, how many times do you really hear about great talents, not, uh, you know, playing in college, unless it's egregious and, it's a rare situation like that. So if it's academic, then you might. And I saw a lot of reports saying the kid that the, the Giants drafted, Sam Beal, Sam Beal, was the best since Josh Gordon. And, you know, that's good for the Giants because they definitely need cornerback help. They need help, some but, cornerbacks, yeah. But, uh, and maybe they've had this plan all along because if you look at what they did in the offseason, mm-hmm. they signing a bunch of also-rans, and then they didn't draft anybody in the draft. So maybe they had this plan all along, and smart on them if they do, but... Yeah, hopefully it works out for them. It's interesting because, as you mentioned, the other player taken was Washington football team also selecting a cornerback, this guy Adonis Alexander out of Virginia Tech. So maybe you're right, Jake. Maybe they knew that there was not one but two potential supplemental draft talents in this year's supplemental draft, so they knew that they could look to the supplemental draft to fill that need. Thanks for the overview there, Jake. The other reason I bring this up is because we were having a conversation in the first hour as it related to things like LaShawn McCoy, the news about LaShawn McCoy, And we extrapolated this out, Jake. I'd love your take. You know, we talked about how risk-averse are you, but there's another factor here. There are just some fantasy managers or owners who, like, would take a a quote-unquote bad guy completely off their board. You know, people who are like, I refuse to draft LaShawn McCoy, or I refuse to have Aroldis Chapman or Jose Reyes or anybody else, Greg Hardy's kind of team, whatever it is, because of the character concerns. And Scott was very clear that he doesn't see it that way. He had Ray Rice on his teams in the past. He sees them purely as names on a computer screen instead of the character of the people who inhabit them. So we were having this kind of conversation of, like, does it matter to you? Jake and we were talking about it does it matter on your fantasy team and does it is it different for the real life team that you cheer for so for example Kelly Nixon hit us up on Twitter Jake and said she won a championship with Michael Vick 
as her quarterback right after the dogfighting thing, but she felt ugly about it. She felt like she sold her soul to the fantasy devil, but ultimately it was okay because money is money. But on the flip side, she said she's a fan of the Colts, right? She said, though, that if Andrew Luck got busted for domestic violence or something like this, she would want him off the team. It would be hard for her to cheer for uh, her team, the Colts, being led by someone like that. How do you feel about this? Are you able to emotionally divorce yourself uh, you know, from the, like, the production of their fantasy or their real team versus uh, kind of them being a quote-unquote good guy and the character of the player inside the laundry, Jake? Pretty much a hundred percent because the fact is there's two ways to look at it is one yeah. is I've, I've divorced myself from having feelings in general because I, I you know, <laughs> I'm a fan. No, I'm a fan of my team when it comes to fantasy because I'm a fan okay. of my teams, but when it comes to fantasy, I don't have allegiances. And that's the truth is people could, mm-hmm. and there's people out there who do. And there's a lot of people we work with. Corey Parson is a Dallas right. Cowboys fan <laughs> in fantasy right. and in real life. We know everybody knows that right. everybody knows I'm a Giants fan but when it comes to it like I was in a draft the other day and at the number four pick I took Ezekiel Elliott not right. Saquon so you Barkley. Cheer for Zeke Elliott now, right? I am always going to take what's best for my fantasy team and when it comes to these type of situations you know if they're in the NFL uh, well the, the, the the best advice thing is a whole other issue. Like, it's like the whole like, let's say LeSean McCoy is guilty, he should be out of the NFL. So that takes care of itself. So you know that type of issue there. But you know, like the Jose Reyes uh, or somebody oh, like Chapman, right? And like the or it's like doing drugs or anything like that, and all sure. those type of situations. You know, is if the players available, not that it's like, hey, they're numbers and fake people, but they, they kind of are. And if it helps my fantasy team, it's just I see it as that. I don't see them as like, oh, look at the individual, because the fact is, too. And I know this from working in sports, from also interviewing some people and being around. I was an intern for the Norfolk Tides is some of these people that you think are the best persons in sports or best sure people in sports. <laughs> yeah. I'd say at least 50% of the people you're rooting for, just like 50% out there, or like have some secret that you don't know about. And that's why. That's why I divorced myself from it because I, it's, it's, you know, it's sad to see these things happen and you don't like them to be on your fantasy team. You don't want these. And I have no problem with people who do this because I know Derek Van – or no, was it Derek Van Riper or was Del, Del Don? It was one of the two of them that actually dropped – Adrian Peterson mm. with that, with that, from right. his team when they, they knew that. And that was at a time where Adrian Peterson still had fantasy value. Sure. And I have no problem with that. It, but at the same time, if you want to do that or if you want to just go said, you know, I still employ the fake person, Adrian mm-hmm. Peterson, whichever way you look at it is fine by me. Okay, fair enough. You just have to acknowledge if you're going to take that ethical stance – and, like, that's a personal choice for you. You know, I'm not You're the one who paid You're not going to have a lot of people on your team. Right. right. That's what I'm saying. I'm not the one who paid the $200 entry fee for you. So, hey, do whatever you want, right? But you have to realize you may be putting yourself at a competitive disadvantage. Real quick, Jay, because we want to do get to fantasy football. I just want to make the distinction. Does it matter differently for the – you mentioned you're a Giants fan, for example, right? Um, when Josh Brown and all that was coming out, did it feel like I understand for the fantasy team, you divorce yourself for it because like they're the production, right, in a, in a non-heartfelt kind of way. What about for your real team, Jake? I know you're a Giants fan. How would you feel about uh, when Josh Brown was, do- was there? You know, would you want some of these guys on the Giants representing that, that blue uniform that you have hanging up? You know, behind no, you absolutely not. That's that's completely. That's different. different. So that's different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I was. I don't know why the Giants screwed around as long as they did with that. 
No, fair enough. You know, because I was thinking about it. Uh, I use the Aroldis Chapman case, right? Like, sure, do you want him on your fantasy team? Fine. But I was asking Cub fans, you know, how would they feel about him being the guy with his arms up in the air on the mound when you finally break the curse of the Billy Goat? And a lot of people that I talked to out there in Chicago were like, eh, I don't, I feel a little dirty about it, you know? But it's like, where is that line ethically for you? I do think it is kind of interesting. Jake, we uh, didn't get to fully talk about the San Francisco 49ers and that is to be quite honest the mark of a good show because as things come up we are going to let you know what you need to do to win your leagues and win that cash so I do want to go back a little bit to finish up our San Francisco 49ers conversation Um, we talked a little bit I agree with you on how the hate uh, not the hate the love for Jimmy Garoppolo is a little too far we talk about the same thing with George Kittle um I don't know if we got to the running backs and wide receivers yesterday. I do want to ask you about McKinnon, Jake. I mean, going into this offseason, when I heard that he went into San Francisco, when I heard that he was playing the quote-unquote Devontae Freeman role in this offense, I was really, really excited about it. But then when I see ADPs that I've been looking for and rankings, he's up there as like a very high-end RB2. I've seen him ranked everywhere from like RB11 down to like RB16 or so. Um, I think that's actually fair. I was hoping that it was going to be one of those things where I was the first person dancing at the, the Jarek McKinnon party, Jake, but it seems like that party is crowded already. Do you think where he's going is fair or do you think it's uh, getting a little overblown, Jarek McKinnon? Uh, I've been saying it's been overblown since day yeah. one. People are, the hype meter is way too, it's, you want to talk about, you know, one of the things I have to do for the football diehards magazine that I take part in every single year is it's, they always ask first round bust. And I, I hate mm. that question because how many times does a first rounder really bust? So right. the fact is like, even if there's second round value, it's not really a bust. And you look at it, the people going in the first round, unless you get an injury, it's just not that common. So I'd rather, you know, like somebody in the top 25 would, and I would immediately go to Jarek McKinnon because the fact uh-huh. is about Jarek McKinnon, I don't know how many times he kept saying it, but the biggest tell is forget the fact that Jarek McKinnon is best suited in that 14 to 18 range, just like Lamar Miller before him. The fact is that Jarek McKinnon Chris can't Thompson. handle 20-plus because you're going to get him killed. Like, yeah, so you can go all down there throughout. Oh, he's better than Chris Thompson. It's just the fact is, you know, and the people are like, oh, Shanahan so is going to change it. No, Shanahan's still going to use somebody else where there's Breeder, the bang-the-table Joe Williams that he had last right. year. But the biggest tell we have is if you look at Jarek McKinnon last year, he goes off against the Bears. And what do the Vikings do? They give him the same amount of touches the next week. Right. They, he goes off again. I think the next week was against the Packers. What do they do? Same amount of touches against the Ravens. And actually, he didn't do much at all against the Ravens. He bounces back and has a huge game against Cleveland. What do they do the next week? They give him less touches against the Redskins. So the fact is, the team he played for, they saw him go basically bananas three different times and still kept giving him the same or less touches on the team. So the fact is, is this again, it goes back to like the Moore Miller with the Dolphins. Sometimes these teams know more than we do. And in this case, I agree with the team with what I'm saying. Everybody wanted Lamar Miller to get more touches. He leaves and gets more touches, and he's not as good. The fact is, these teams sometimes know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, you know, you know, if you want to use them up too much, I like the Lamar exa- Miller example, you wind up exposing them a little bit, you know, and that happens all the time when we have like 
guys who had a specific role and then grow larger and everyone just thinks all of a sudden you can extrapolate that out and that's not always the case sometimes people have roles for a reason sometimes people are you know supposed to be like you mentioned in that kind of 15 kind of touch range let me ask you about these wide receivers jake um i jake i feel like pierre garçon has been under respected for a while now am i crazy Mm, no no like i mean when when he was in in indy when he was in washington i feel like you know this is a guy who is strong at the point of the catch um doesn't have we talked about amari cooper and the drops that doesn't happen with pierre garcon and now he is in an environment i think you know we talked about the kyle shanahan system right but the number one wide receiver in that system usually does pretty well and i know there's marquise goodwin there but i gotta think pierre garcon can return you know numbers that will put him as a definitive wide receiver too i can see him with 85 catches i can see him right around a thousand yards i can see him with five or six touchdowns that's wide receiver two to me are you gonna have shares of pierre garçon this year I have a lot of shares of pierre garçon yeah honestly because the fact is is he's what he always gonna be he's gonna be a target volume monster and if you're looking at somebody that is going to be the consistent option for jimmy garoppolo if you're a believer in jimmy garoppolo why aren't you a believer in pierre garçon that's my question for everybody right the fact is Mike, Marquise Goodwin is a good player. He's kind of more like Mike Wallace, though, is he's a nine-route guy with more nine-route ability than just a pure just-go-deep, kind of like Will Fuller. It's just, hey, go deep right. and try to catch the ball. Uh, the fact is, is he's got some ability, but the fact is Pierre Garçon is uh, – don't be surprised. Pierre Garçon has more targets and more receptions at the end of the year, and he sh- honestly should, given the skill set. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think he is the guy, you know, like everyone wants to hype up Jarek McKinnon. Everybody, people want to hype up George Kittle. People want to hype up Jimmy Garoppolo. I believe if you want to hype up anybody on this team, it's Pierre Garçon. He's the person we have seen. He has the track record, certainly longer than Kit, uh, McKinnon, longer than Kittle, longer than Jimmy Garoppolo and his 5-0 and with the San Francisco 49ers, right? I think uh, Pierre Garçon is the one with the track record that could push for a thousand yards. Jake, I got two more things to ask you about as it relates to the San Francisco 49ers. The first one is just generally speaking, like, you know, in the NBA, you know how they always say like a team has to kind of take baby steps, like a team will get bounced in the first round, then they'll kind of the following year come back and make it to the conference final, that sort of thing. It seems like there's a progression in the NBA. In the NFL, I know sometimes teams go from worst to first, but everybody is so believing in the San Francisco 49ers, Jake, I mean, the over-under for this team, I'm bringing it up right now, it's like eight and a half. This is a team that has been a laughing stock for the better part of the last decade. Like, do you think it's feasible for them to take that big of a jump? Or are you with me either passing or laying the under at eight and a half on the San Francisco 49ers? No, I'm laying the under hard. Okay. Like yeah. big time. I mean, I'm looking at this division too with the with the Rams and the the Seahawks are still going to be in contention. I don't think the Seahawks yeah. are a playoff team by any stretch of the imagination. But they're a quality team that's going to be a yeah. tough out. They could be it's eight nine like, wins kick, easily. Yeah, kick to the side. Like we talked about that. That's why we said neither one of us want to touch that bet. Right. The fact is, if you look at it, you know that's a lot to ask of any team. Um, but the fact is, is you know I think a lot of it has to do with they call, they won all the games at the end of last year and Jimmy Garoppolo was undefeated and all that. That excitement there is spilling over to Vegas as well. I mean, honestly, yeah. it's not 
Like, you know this. Vegas does what Vegas is going to do when they get people to bet. They know how right. aggressive they can be. They know. Yes. And that's the thing is they're setting this line not at like eight, eight yes. and a half because they say, S, yeah, this team is going to be eight and a half. Right. They're saying, you know what? If we're betting six and a half, everybody's taking the over. Let's be more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Everybody's taking the over in seven and a half. Let's find the breaking point, and that's what they're trying to find is the 50% going both ways, and they know how crazy the public is. And the public is really insane for the 49ers right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think you make a good point for any uh, novice bettors out there. When the line is set, it is not what Vegas, the, the royal we that is Vegas, think it is going to happen. It is what they think will generate even money on both sides as per the public and as per the sharp money that is out there. So that's why you may see right. the hype train on a team like the 49ers. And quite frankly, Jake, why you and I and others are saying there's value in something like the Cleveland Browns because the narrative, the public public vision of them is a little Isn't bit lower yet. than maybe someone like you or I think. So that creates value because Vegas is anticipating what the public might think. Uh, Jake, you, you got to watch the big money coming in uh, off the right. top. That's what. Absolutely. And that's why we talk about line movements, right? And big money moves the line, and that's usually sharp action. So you got to be interested to see where the lines move. Places like mybookie.ag will also let you know what percent of the money is like, uh, you know, on each team. So look at the VIG and look at how the lines move. The last question I got to ask you, Jake, and I know it sounds crazy, okay? But like the 49ers also have like the best, uh, you know, like fullback or like H-back, Kyle Juszczyk. There has been times where Kyle Juszczyk was viable in fantasy, Jake. Is it crazy like to, to, to take a little flyer on a guy like him? Yes. It is, right? I mean, I think so. But, like, you do see, like, you know he how you have, like, these goal... I mean, but you know how he you was... have those, like, goal line backs sometimes? Like, Jerome Bettis, three carries, two touchdowns? Yeah, yeah, like, no, I know what you check sometimes. No, 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 no. But that's... He was never viable. He just showed <laughs> okay. up in the fantasy scoring because of that. That was never, like, nobody was ever rostering or using check. I'm just saying, listen, you never know. Maybe in a DFS format. Would you ever no. think about him in a DFS no. flyer, Jake? You wouldn't? No, there is no use for use check. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I Not unless the only, uh, only ah, situation you can have here. Contingency. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Just, here's the only one is that you go into the week and Joe Williams and Matt and Breida, Matt both, Breida. Get hurt, both get hurt and the 49ers have no time to do anything before the game that Sunday. <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying the man has been productive in the past. Shout out to Kyle Juszczyk. The reason that there maybe is still a Pro Bowl fullback position even still in the NFL. So I just did want to give him his due. I want to give him a little bit of airtime, Jake. You know, on a fantasy sports channel, it probably doesn't happen. You and I are both in agreement. We are down on the 49ers. We would bet that under at eight and a half. But remember, that's why they are setting the line. I will say this, Jake, though, and I know you don't look at the schedule as much um if they are in contention three of their last four games are at home in the bay area so if they can stick around and hang hang around they may have an opportunity to impress jake when we come back i need your help we talk about how vegas sets the line i need your help to help me out if i'm in a hedge one of my bets we'll talk about that later when we come back on roto experts in the morning Welcome back. 
Roto experts in the morning. We got the all-in kid, Jake Seely, the number one accuracy ranker in all of fantasy football. I am merely the spitting statistician trying to put the fun in functional sports radio every morning, 7 to 9 a.m. right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Don't forget about getting that Roto experts exclusive edge fantasy package right now, getting you ready for your draft. Uh, you know, enter the promo code all in kid at checkout. You get a special discount. Uh, that was a little cool G rap, Jake. A little cool G rap coming back. I like that I as well. Say the fact that it kind of ended abruptly. It did it cut off real. abruptly. It did cut off a little abruptly, but I do love me some cool G rap. Jake, going into the break, I said, I need your help when it comes to philosophy on hedging bets. Okay. As you know, Jake, I am holding a 20 to 1 ticket on Croatia to win the World Cup. You okay. hedge the hell out of it. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, okay. There we go. There we go. There I don't is my question. Like, uh, I'll tell you, like, I don't know. So here's the other thing. Let me add one other wrinkle into this, okay? okay. I'm also holding France at 5-1, to one. okay? So what I did was I, at the beginning of this whole World Cup, I, I, I had four teams, okay, that I made an outlay on. Let's, let's call it light, round numbers. Let's call it $50 future bets on four teams. I took two of the favorites. We're at 5-1. to one. I took Spain and France. As you know, I took Belgium in another tier. They were like 10 to 1. And then I took Croatia at 20 to 1. So I invested in four teams knowing that if one of the big favorites won, Spain or France, in essence, I'd be making $100, right? Because I'd get three. I was a $200 outlay. And at the 5 to 1 for my 50, I'd collect a total of 300, right? So I stand to win $100 if France wins. But if Croatia wins, I stand to make something like, you know, uh, let's call it, you know, a thousand, right? So I hedged the heck out of it. Mm, absolutely. Because I don't think there's any, like so I was, what I was going to say is I don't know that much about the world cup, but I've been watching right. the entire thing. And, been and France learning. looks real good. <laughs> well, not, not even that. I just been learning through it. Like right. I basically watched, I'd, I'd say I've only missed out of the entire thing all the way back to the knockout stage, or I guess the group stage. You should actually the better right group stage, and now we're in the knockout stage. So group stage. So go all the way back to it. Uh, the fact is, is see, I'm still learning the terminology. Uh, the fact is, is I've watched almost I'd say 90, 95 percent of the games. Like I maybe missed like one or two because they even had two TVs on. You remember I was telling sure. you the scores yeah, while yeah, we were yeah. doing the show. The simultaneous so, ones at the end right. of the group stage and stuff, yeah. I don't see any scenario where France doesn't win. And if it happens where they don't win, it, I would be shocked beyond belief. So that's why I would hedge it. Like, that's if I was holding it, that's my thought process going in, yeah. and that's why I would hedge Like, this isn't like, you know, if it was Croatia-Belgium uh, surprised us, and it was Croatia-Belgium, I'd probably hold it because right. there's a scenario you there where I can see Croatia. Yeah. Right. Although I still take Belgium. Uh, actually, I would take anybody but Croatia. But the fact is, <laughs> <laughs> the fact is, is you know, at this point, you know, they're going to have to play the same game that they just played against England. And I think France is too aggressive and too smart for that. That the Eng- like I, this is one of those ones that's like who won it, who lost it type of things. Like we see that right. all the time. Like when a team's up in basketball, did Croatia win fifth- it or did England lose yeah, it? Yeah, by fifteen points with eight minutes to go, did they really lose it or did the other team win it? And like, like. I really think this was more France losing it than it was Croatia winning it because Croatia is that slow pace and they did what they were going to do. And they've done what they've done the entire time. They're not the better team. England is just too uninventive and they just sat around and they, they rely on their set pieces and it just was right. 
See, I told you I watched a lot of soccer. I know. Yeah, very good. Yeah, and I hear you. Let's show my knowledge, right? But going up against France when they're going to have the kid Mbappe, Antoine Griezmann, and of course Paul Pogba as See, well. See, now you go too front. far for me. Yeah, yeah I got you. I got you. All right. So you're telling me I need to hedge. Here's the thing. I have. I have. Um, Jake, I have like post-traumatic stress syndrome about this. Okay, so here's here's. I had, I had a similar situation a few years back, Jake, where not the year when Clemson won the national title, but the year before that, when they lost in the national title game to Alabama, because, you know, before that, I saw, I saw Deshaun Watson as a freshman, okay, and I was like, whoa, that dude is different. So going into uh, Watson's sophomore year, I got Clemson to win the national championship at 35-1 to 1 before the season started, okay? This is the year they go to the national championship game but lose to Alabama. And I was asking everybody, yo, I'm holding 35-1. to 1. This is 1750 bucks for me. Do I hedge it, right? And, every, and, and I was like, I was going to bet Alabama in that game to hedge it, right? But... I was convinced or by a lot of people, nah, nah, nah. You want to be able to catch that 35 to 1. You want to do it. So I didn't hedge it. And, of course, then, as you know, Alabama wins that first year, um, and I lose. So I'm now on the precipice again, but I feel like whichever way I go, Jake, is going to be the wrong idea. Because also, if you hedge, you are kind of guaranteeing the win, but it's, you know, less of a win, shall we say. What we're doing it is knocking it down to my collection won't be the full 20 to 1, right? or it would, but I'm outlaying more money to kind of make it even on both sides. I, I feel like I want to let it ride, Jake. I feel like okay. I just want to be like all Croatia. I don't know. I'm just generating the conversation, Jake. I don't know. I'm really conflicted about this. I am truly conflicted on if I just ride with my 20 to 1, but you think I need to hedge it all day long. Man, I'm, well, I'm so yeah, torn, Jake. I'm, not, I'm not changing. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I'm just I'm, – can you see how emotionally torn I am with this, though? It's very, very hard because I want to be able to say uh, that I had it, you know? And I do have the five to one on France anyway. If it goes the other way, so, so I'm a winner kind of either way. Yeah, I think that's what it is, Jake. I mean, absolutely. You've psychoanalyzed me correctly. I think that is what it comes down to. But in any event, if you want to hedge your bets, if you want to lay it out for France, like Jake, if you think that there's no way that Croatia continues their Cinderella run, the quote-unquote golden generation, then go on over to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY, and you can get a 50% deposit bonus for whatever you do. And then, you know, listen to Roto Experts in the morning. We'll tell you about these over-under win totals where you need to go take the under on the San Francisco 49ers. All right, Jake, here's what I want to ask you about. I want to ask you about your team in the good old Scotty Fishbowl League. This is a league that has been drafting. I know a lot of people in the industry. There's a lot of different divisions or conferences. It's a big old deal, right? So can you first, Jake, I have a couple of macro questions before I get into some of the decisions you've already made in the draft. First, Talk to me about that Scott Fishbowl League. How, how is it that this league has, like, you know, seven different divisions and stuff like that? How is it structured and organized, seven. first of all? Or tons lot, more? There's a lot more than seven. Okay, so <laughs> talk to me about the structure of this league. Because i got to tell you, Jake, I'm a little pissed off that our guy Chris Ventra, the analyst, is in this league. And nobody gives speeds the look, man. What do I got to do to get into an expert league like this? You just so have to ask. To he says that every single year. It's, he's not a mind reader. He's, <laughs> he just tweeted that. He's not a mind reader. He doesn't know everybody in the industry out there for everyone. If you want to be in the league, you just have to ask him to put your name on the list for the next year. That's the thing. And now this year, it's not seven, it's 75 because there's 900 teams. Yeah, 900 teams. 
the fact is, what it comes down to, how this whole thing started, was kind of similar to the flex. But for the fact is, he, it's all online, but he also involves fans. So every single league has about eight or nine experts with two or three fans. So the fact, or I guess more than that, there's only eight, but it's generally somewhere around a mix where there's, there's a couple fans, mostly experts in every single league. And it was kind of get the interaction with everybody. But the biggest thing that he's done and what's really made this take off and what's great for him is there's donations to charity for fantasy cares for, you know, the, the kids with, for Christmas without toys and all that type of stuff. You can go read about it. Like it's every single year. He does all these foundation things and all this stuff. And they're going to generate, he's getting close to $30,000 this year. Last year was 18. Yeah, Yeah. Last year was 18. He's getting close to 30 this year. That's really what it's all about. And then the big thing is, is of course, you know, to say that you won a league because it's not just you win your league. Is you're up against everybody. You're up against all 900 teams because the playoffs huh. are not just a record in your league, but also your points that you scored, which are against everybody. And I then see. it's the leftover wild cards and stuff like that. So it's an enormous venture. I don't know how he takes care of 900 teams. I can't imagine yeah. if he's going to go over a thousand next year. Uh, but the fact is, it's just that's why it's fun, and you know that's why it's become so popular. Because if you have 900 people on Twitter talking about the same draft in one day, right? There you go. That's that's going to be why. You know, that's absolutely awesome. Uh, we got to get my name on the list next year. It sounds like then you could win your division or conference, whatever it's called, and then in the playoffs, what your like your points go up against the other division winners. Is that how the way it works out? It's it's a lot. You got to go there. It's pretty complicated. Right. How? Yeah. All right, fair enough. And, though, Jake, you also mentioned the Flex League. Hey, you got any spots for your boy, the spitting statistician in that league? Yeah, I have you on the waiting list. I already had you on the waiting list. But oh, I'm on the waiting uh, list. All right. Yeah, fair enough. I'm like I DeMarco I Murray. I got to wait for a suspension or an injury. To I, I can't kick people out for you. I hear you. It's all good. It's all good. Jake, in the, in the couple minutes we have left, um, I do, I'm looking at your team. You know, I'm looking at your team in the Scotty Fishbowl League, and the draft is ongoing. And that was the other macro question I wanted to ask you. With these drafts that are like the slow drafts, you know, maybe eight hours for a pick that happen, uh, you know, online over the course of days or weeks, Jake, is there any difference for you when you're making those in those kind of drafts that are those slow drafts? This idea of like, you know, we always say you let the draft come to you. Do you have more time to let it come to you and think pick by pick? I know a lot of people do, you know, drafts just online with like a minute and a half per pick. And this is a lot different. You know, do do you think about it at all differently when you have eight hours for the pick? Are you mapping out your your strategy any differently than in a, a, a more traditional online draft because it is this slow? draft i know a lot of our listeners have these kind of drafts so is, it, is it different at all or are you just applying the same exact thing no it's the same exact thing and if you can go, you want to go look at it, if you scroll to the bottom of the drafts on the regular draft page you can see the average time per pick for everybody mm-hmm. mine is one minute right. i'm on the so clock you know what you're doing. <laughs> I, I i do the same thing i always do i have a sheet where i'm crossing off names as i go and i know the basically four or five names that are coming up around the time i pick and what i need and when my pick's on the clock Boom, done. Like I said, one minute. That's my average draft time. All right, fair enough. So let me ask you this, Jake. We talk about waiting on quarterback all the time. And I remember in the FNTSY draft that happened because, you know, we were there with the quote-unquote experts. Everybody was waiting on quarterback. And so, you know, people were getting Phillip Rivers in like the 10th round. It seems like in this draft... It was kind of the opposite. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, six quarterbacks. 
Take it. Okay, so that is the difference. And you even went up and got uh, Deshaun Watson in the third round. I saw Scotty Angle in his version of it went and got Aaron Rodgers in the first round. Talk to me about the fact that it is a super flex, meaning you could put a quarterback in that flex position. How does that impact the concept of waiting for quarterbacks in your draft? Well, that's why you play Superflex because it takes yeah. it out of the equation. Is you you give the value back to the quarterback position because everybody wants to start a quarterback at that other flex position, which is a Superflex. And for anybody not listening, because I get this a lot of times, and we all think it's common knowledge, but Superflex is basically the flex, but you can also play a quarterback there. So who's going to score more points, quarterback or anybody else? On average, even the lower quarterbacks in the league, even if you dig all the way down to Joe right. Flacco, He's scoring more than RB2s and wide receivers, too. Not the ones, but he's scoring more than most. And that's the fact is this is why you want a quarterback in that second spot. So for everybody that's the weighted on quarterback and it's been devalued and nobody likes it and all that type of stuff, you give the value back to the quarterback position, just make a super flex. I think everybody should be playing super flex. And I know at some point we'll get to that where maybe that's the standard. I don't think it'll happen for at least a couple of years, but maybe we can get there someday. You know, obviously I'm first trying to get rid of kickers and that's starting to become pretty common. <laughs> it's getting there. It's becoming more and more common every single year and that might be a staple and Superflex might be as well. But the other there's a lot of scoring wrinkles too is it's a half-point PPR, but it's also a half-point for a first down, but tight ends get a full-point PPR and a full-point for a first down. Trying to the normalize the positions. Yeah, the quarterbacks are six for a touchdown and minus four for an interception, which kills the value of some of those quarterbacks that are risky out there that you look at. So right. it just comes down to knowing your league. Everybody always needs to know your league. But the biggest factor, like I said, in a super flex, you're going to have quarterbacks going in the first three rounds, as they should because it's a super flex. The, the reason it's super flex and not two quarterback is I hate two quarterback because now you're forcing. Think you just have to do the numbers. If you have 12 teams mm-hmm. and you're playing the two quarterbacks, That's 24 of the 32, and you're immediately starting with four teams, even if everybody only takes three, nobody takes a fourth. You're immediately already starting with four teams that do not have a quarterback for their buys, and so you're immediately starting with four teams that don't have early. What did I say? Four. Yeah, right. 24, 24, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thirty-six four out teams. of the thirty-two. Yeah, so four yeah. is the overlay. Yeah. Right, that they actually get a zero, where you need an injury, and then if you do suffer an injury, you're one of those teams as well, and you're it's so much risk. Mm-hmm. Two quarterbacks are two quarterbacks are fine if you play in an eight-team league, but and even maybe yeah. Mm, tens to, tens, yeah, well, still, ten to yeah. your point. If you, everyone has three, then you have 30 of the 32 starters, right? So you don't exactly have that zero risk. Um, no, but there's the only two people left out there are people that are the, like, right. you, like, look how many quarterbacks we have right now that we don't even know if sure. they have their job for the full season. And then, again, it's the injury factor. That's the biggest thing. It's like, don't ever slap something on me where I'm going to be potentially forced to have a zero. Yeah, absolutely. And first rule of any fantasy sport is to know your league settings. If the tight ends get a little bit of a bump or something like that, if they're trying to normalize the value of the quarterback position vis-a-vis the wide receivers and the running backs, definitely know your settings. Jake, the last question I wanted to ask you, um, I don't know if we have time, but you mentioned it at the top of the hour. You, uh, in your last two picks, have gone DeMarco Murray in the 11th round and Martavis Bryant in the 12th no. round. Talk to me. Des Bryant. Oh, that was Des Bryant, excuse me, D, not M, I see it. But talk to me about, like, why that's okay for you to, like, you're at the stage where you're ready to take on that kind of free agent risk at this point, rounds uh, 11 and 12. 
because it's rounds 11 and 12. And yeah. the, the, what the value is on the board at this point, if DeMarco Murray and Des Bryant end up on teams and get the value that they want and we expect them to still have, mm-hmm. I mean, those are going to be 7th, 8th round picks, even 6th, 7th round picks. So that's really what it comes down to. And it's Scott Fishbowl. Again, I mentioned it. It's 900 teams. You gotta right. take some chances. You're not gonna win right. a 900 right. team league by yes. just going with the exact flow that everybody right. else is going with. Absolutely, it's like in March Madness. You have to pick a 13 over a four somewhere. You know what I mean? If you're gonna actually win the pool, and you just have to get it right on which ones it is. If you just go chalk, it's not gonna happen. You're gonna have to zig when other people zag. Just feeling like you know, you just gotta hit it to wind up winning in the big ones. It's the same as playing a big time DFS tournament. All right, Jake. Tomorrow we're gonna get into this. I am intrigued though, Jake. You talked about your platform for fantasy football in terms of no kickers or in terms of PPR settings or the super flex. League. I have some interesting pieces of a platform that I want to bounce off you tomorrow, and it comes to be Major League Baseball All-Star Weekend. I think there's a lot of things they can do to make it more uh, fun for the fans. I'm going to bounce some ideas off you for that tomorrow. We'll finish up the NFC West with what many people believe will be that division winner, the Los Angeles Rams. All that and more. Keep an eye out for Jake on On Target, on Frenzy as well. Carton and Friends is up next, right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. That's the all-in kid. I'm the spitting statistician. We'll see you tomorrow on Roto Experts this morning.